0: You know, if you have your Bible, you can turn to 1 John chapter 1. Uh, We're just going to talk about one verse of Scripture, and I think it's an important one because we know all about the events of Christmas, but uh, this passage that we're going to look at, this verse, uh, tells us what these events mean. Um, You know, I think it's easy for us to get caught up in the nostalgia of Christmas, uh, we have family traditions maybe that we look forward to. We have time off of work. Uh, maybe it's just Christmas is a time to feel good. There's some parties maybe and uh, festivities. Uh, maybe you look forward to the Christmas cookies. That's always fun. Um, so let, let's read this passage. It's up on the top of your outline of uh, the little notes from the that are inside the worship folder. And it's 1 John chapter 1, verse 3. And I'd like us to read it out loud together. Let's read it. We proclaim to you what we have seen and heard so that you also may have fellowship with us. And our fellowship is with the Father and with his Son, Jesus Christ. You know, one of the things that Christmas actually means is that you and I can have fellowship with God. Uh, What John is talking about is God becoming man Through his son Jesus at Christmas, we proclaim to you what we have seen and heard so that you also may have fellowship with us. So Jesus is what they had seen and heard. Jesus, in order to be the sacrifice for our sins, our sins our, our sins are what separated us from God. And Jesus, the Bible says, came to take our punishment on himself so that we wouldn't have to. That's the whole point of Christmas. God becoming man to make us right again with God. What John is saying is that it's not enough just to believe in God intellectually. It's not enough just to obey what you think he he wants you to do. But Christmas means that God has gone to infinite lengths so that you can know him personally. That's pretty amazing. That's what Christmas is about. God isn't just about giving us some kind of good feeling that's going to wear off at Christmas time. Christmas means that God uh, wants an intimate, he's calling you into an intimate relationship with himself. I remember my parents warning me at an early age, like I'm guessing your parents warned you not to look into the sun, not to stare at the sun. Otherwise you'll burn your retinas out. I, I remember just not even being afraid to look that direction. Um, but it's, it's important because, you know, you, the, the glory of the sun that we see, not today, but on most days here in San Diego, is too great for our eyes. We can't take it in. So if you really wanna see the glory of the sun without being overwhelmed, you need something between you and the sun that enables you to actually see the flames that are bursting forth on the sun and the sunspots and the eruptions that are happening on the, on the, on the sun. In other words, if you wanna see the glory of the sun, you can't just look at it. You have to look at it through a filter. And the same thing is true with the glory of God. Charles Wesley wrote these words in a Christmas song that we sing. He says, veiled in flesh, the Godhead see, hail the incarnate deity. Now, Wesley wasn't saying that the Godhead was hidden. No, he wrote, veiled in flesh, the Godhead see. Because the incarnation is about God, that's what we celebrate at Christmas, becoming a human. We can see God's glory in Jesus that we otherwise would be overwhelmed by. You know, the kids just sang about it. uh, Glory touching earth is Jesus. God the Son appearing as, as ordinary, one of us. At the beginning of the Gospel of John, which is written by the same author who wrote the three letters about John, it identifies Jesus, John does, as the Word, and then he writes this, so the Word became human and made his home among us. He was full of unfailing love and faithfulness, and we have seen his glory, the glory of the Father's one and only Son. In other words, when you read through the Gospels and look at Jesus, God in human form, it's like you're seeing God through a filter. You see God's divine glory through Jesus' love and through his humility and through his compassion and even by the way he dies. All of the things that we saw about God in the Old Testament that might overwhelm us, God says, I can't show you my glory directly, but I can, in Jesus, I can have you come near my glory. Through Jesus, we can begin to grasp who God is, and in the four gospels, Matthew, Mark, and Luke, and John, we're reading about Jesus, about God in human form. Jesus is someone we can relate to, The Apostle Paul in Philippians 2 says that Jesus gave up his divine privileges to become a man and eventually died a criminal's death on a cross. Jesus died in our place because of the sin that separates us from God. The punishment has to be paid by someone, either by us or by Jesus. God draws us to himself by his grace. And then we must make an effort to to keep our relationship with him alive. It doesn't just happen. Maybe you think that there are things that are, and maybe you know that there are things in your life that do not please God, and that's why you feel distant from him. I think it's fair to say you're as close to God as you want to be. Are are you taking the time and making the effort to grow in your knowledge of God and in in the grace of God? Christmas means that God wants to be near you. He wants to be close to you. But that begins by accepting it. It was in 1829 that a man named George Wilson uh, robbed uh, an armory truck and uh, endangered a human life and he was tried and convicted and sentenced to death by hanging. Some friends of his intervened. They Somehow one of his friends knew President Andrew Jackson and had the president write a letter of pardon for him. Uh, the prison warden told Wilson about the pardon that he had on his desk, and Wilson refused to sign it. He said he wanted to die. Well, his friends actually appealed it to the Supreme Court. And here's what Justice John Marshall wrote about that. He said, a pardon is a piece of paper, the value of which depends on its acceptance by the person implicated. Anyone under the sentence of death would hardly be expected to refuse a pardon. But if it's refused, there's no pardon. And so George Wilson was executed while his signed pardon sat on the desk of the warden. And in the same way, God has offered you, all of us, the gift of eternal life. And so will we die not ever having accepted that gift? Once it's received and you're close to God, you have to put Jesus in the center of your life. But it, it begins by accepting the gift. The reason John is proclaiming this to his readers and to us is so that you may have fellowship with us, 1 John 1.3 says. And the word fellowship is used a lot by us as Christians. We, We even have a building here named Fellowship Hall. At its root, fellowship is a deep sharing of things in common. What we have in common as Christians is Jesus... In our lives, a a Christian is one in whom Christ lives. And so we have Jesus in common and we have our salvation in common that Jesus gives us. Our salvation from sin that that places us in fellowship with God first of all, but then also with other believers. Um, Two key concepts that are important when you think of fellowship are communion and partnership. And so that's the question that begs the question for all of us. Are we in communion with God? And are we in fellowship with Him? Are we in partnership with Him, in other words? When you are there, there is a deep connection with other believers. As Christians in close fellowship with God, His heartbeat should be ours, His goals and plans should become our goals and plans. What, what he loves, we should love. And, and what he wills, we should desire to do. And if you want peace in your life and you don't have peace, Jesus said, my peace I give you in John chapter 14. You may feel alone sometimes, but as a Christian, we can know that we are never alone. God has given this amazing promise to us in Hebrews 13:5. I will never leave you. I will never forsake you. And so if Christianity is anything, it is a personal and intimate relationship with the God who made us and through his son who became one of us and who paid the price for our sins on the cross. So that begs a couple of other questions and as we consider those questions, I invite you to bow your heads. And the first question is this, do you see the beauty of Jesus? It's easy to see his beauty through the songs that we've sung, through the children that have sung, through all the choir and the orchestra. The words are just amazing. Do you see the beauty of Jesus? Do you see his glory touching earth in Jesus? We've heard about it so clearly in all of the music. And if you don't know him personally, we want to give you the opportunity to receive him as your Savior and your Lord. Dear Heavenly Father, we are so grateful to you that you don't have to, that we don't have to just feel a good feeling that's gonna wear off at Christmas. We can think about what Christmas really means, that it's an anchor for our souls. And we ask that this Christmas that you might help us to to think out all that it means so that we can have fellowship with you because of your amazing grace and then fellowship with each other. And if there's anyone here who doesn't know you, May they just respond to you right now in faith. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. For a child has been born. For us. The gift of a son. For us. He'll take over the running of the world. His names will be amazing counselor. Strong God. Eternal Father. Prince of Peace. His ruling authority will grow and there will be no limits to the wholeness he brings. Amen.